I started racing on the road when I was about 14 and very quickly got quite good. I ended up being under 16 national champ. Around 18, fixed gear really sparked my love and enjoyment for riding a bike again. Last year I was in Belgium. The year before that I was racing for a British team, but we went all over Europe and raced. I've always been in the top level national races in the UK and the last couple of years I've been racing abroad a lot my really beautiful windy miller bikes which are all kind of custom painted like and our kits all matching so just like putting on all the kit and like lining up on the start line and you just know that everything's matching and you look really good and my teammate juliet she's wearing all her matching kit and we look sick and i'm like yeah and then everyone's like woo and kind of like you're just sitting on the start line and getting excited and everyone's cheering and then boom you're off the green light flashes the flags go up Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern as they speed through the I suppose that I'm driven would be the way to put it. I want to do as best as I can, whether that's with videos, whether that's with cycling. I'd like to give it a fair go, really. <laughs> but I do have a lot of fun as well. I think people think that happiness is that feeling you're hanging out with friends when you're out partying and you're dancing. People think that that is happiness, but happiness, I don't think really is that. It's a knowing contentment with your life and that you're striving towards something. For me, it's like my having a purpose is what makes me happy in life. The arena is empty except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up and long ago somebody left with the cup. That is Kiera McVitie. I'm Andrew Connect, and this is the Unpretentious Podcast. Kiera is a cyclist racing in Europe and occasionally doing fixed gear races in America. We catch up with her as she's on vacation in Malta and is kind enough to take the time to share her story with us. I compete at road and fixed gear cycling. So I started off doing road racing, and then when I was 18, about Oh, five years ago now, <laughs> I um I started fixed gear racing, and I just I just really loved the fact that it was so different. I mean, it was still cycling at the end of the day. There was a lot more adrenaline, a different scene, lots of new people, and that's sort of what drew me into fixed gear cycling, really. And like fixed gear, you have no brakes, correct? Correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you can still slow down. Like a lot of people think you don't you like you don't have any brakes and you're insane but basically with a fixed gear bike is as you pedal you're controlling the back wheel so if you essentially back pedal you're slowing down so you use your legs to brake and is that of. where the adrenaline comes from yeah because if someone crashes in front of you you can't slow down that quickly like you can slow down but you have to the, the best way to stay upright is to avoid people uh-huh. if they fall off so you you kind of it feels like you're more on the edge and you're more because there's no like it's literally just you and the bike there's no brakes there's no gears it's just like simple there's a lot of things i like about it but yeah well, once you finish you just get like a mad adrenaline rush from the fact that you've not died <laughs> <laughs> you don't get that during the race when you're like coming up on a turn yeah but like you know you're trying pretty hard as well so there's a lot of things going on for Mm. me usually i'm just kind of trying to hang on and suffering (laughs) away and 
your brain's just thinking really quickly so you right. know it's a thousand things at once and yeah it's, it's good fun though so you're amped up like the whole race and then you don't have time to process yeah it's mm. conventional road racing you're racing for like two three hours sometimes more than that so mm-hmm. kind of a delayed adrenaline rush you know towards the finish it gets a lot more scary and there's people knocking into you and stuff like that but because Mm -hmm. fixed gear racing is really short it's like 45 minutes as fast Mm -hmm. as you can go that's that's also what adds to the excitement of it so is it fair to say that fixed gear racing is more for the adrenaline seeking you have to want to do it is that is that how i put it like if you are going into it thinking oh i'm not sure about this i don't really want to do it then it's probably not going to be a cup of tea you have to except that you might crash but in a, to be honest i've crashed in more road races than fixed gear mm. races <laughs> no one likes crashing you try not to crash but you have to accept that you may crash it's a short distance you're going really fast you're going a lot faster than you would over a longer distance so great for the crowds and because it's held at night as well a lot of the races oh. it kind of just adds to the atmosphere and if you can kind of imagine yourself it's kind of dark there's like dingy lights everywhere the crowds are cheering you've got cowbells and people just screaming they've probably had about five beers they're, they're enjoying themselves and you can just really feel that oh i've seen your videos and it looks it looks pretty insane like it's not like seven hours of road biking where you're just trying to be aerodynamic the entire time yeah i mean i love both don't get me wrong sure. but yeah i think my videos of the red hook ones tend to be a little bit more hectic just because there's so much going on they're both different feelings with a fixed gear race it's a lot faster it feels much more tense whereas with a road race you have time to sort of get into it sometimes in a road race you start and you're like oh i don't feel great and then you you maybe feel a bit better it's a longer circuit there might be some climbs so it's it's more interesting because going around a one kilometer circuit if you did it for any longer than 45 minutes would get a bit boring (laughs) just different they're just different but they're both pretty difficult (laughs) i would say yes and that's kind of where i'm curious how did this become a thing that you decided i'm doing this for a career forget the other you know options like this is something i love too much to not do it so i've gradually fallen into becoming a cyclist and making that what i do i've been racing since i was 12 so i started doing like time trials and which is just like races on your own and then got into road racing and I did a bit of track racing on the velodrome and then like I say I started racing fixed gear when I was 18 and I I still do all the disciplines weirdly even though I only do about four or five fixed gear events in the year I seem to be known more for that and I think that's possibly because there's not many people who are really documenting that scene and there's a lot more information about road cycling when I started documenting the fixed gear stuff, I guess I got known for that, really. <laughs> but I've been racing yeah. bikes since forever. Yeah. Since age 12. Yeah, well, I never heard of fixed gear. And then you see all the stuff, and you're like, this looks crazy. I like it. What is it? And why are you doing it? So, yeah, you're right about that. Even for traditional road cyclists, they always ask me about it and what is it all about and how do you get into it and why do I do it? Am I crazy? Am I unhinged? <laughs> no, I'm not unhinged. When I was younger, the reason I did the first ever one was because a road race got cancelled and a few of my mates were racing Red Hook and they were like, oh, you should just do it. I'll lend you a bike. I was fully aware it was a fixed gear crit race, but being 18 and probably a bit 
stupid thought it was a good idea and then once you get into it that adrenaline and competing with these people who have kind of become my weird little family my friends Mm. kind of get addicted to that and also i think it's different to road racing because even if you're not super fit and you're not winning the races even if you don't get your best result you can still have a great time and see all your friends so i think fixed gear is definitely a lot more accessible than road cycling road cycling can be Mm. not always but can be more pretentious essentially but i mean fixed gear has its pretentious parts don't get me wrong but it seems to draw people from a wider range there's all different kinds of people people from different sports people from triathlon people from ice skating there was a boxer they have catwalk models who race it they have bike messengers everyone you would never really get that in a road race Everyone's serious at Red Hook and everyone wants to compete and be good, but it's a different kind of feeling. Obviously, when you're in the race, it's serious, Mm -hmm. but generally people just want to have a good time and they're there to push themselves. But at the end of the day, if someone doesn't do that well, it's not like as serious. It just seems a bit more inclusive. Do you think that's because I'm assuming fixed gear racing is newer and it's not yet as well known yeah it's a less traditional part of the sport for sure and they're they're much more open to trying new things the race format has changed pretty much every year since i've raced because riders will say oh maybe it'll be safer if we do it like this maybe we should do an extra heat what about changing the format like this and it's kind of evolved through the organizers asking the questions to the riders feedback from people who are watching the event people who are doing the event and it's kind of grown into what it has today i think the nature of it is that they're not going to just right this is how it is now and i think that's quite good and because it's a new sport and women are equal which isn't the case for road cycling for myself that does make a big difference you feel like you're just as valued as every other athlete Road cycling's great. I love road cycling. I don't want to slag off road cycling, but I think there's definitely things that road cycling could learn from mm-hmm. this newer side of the sport. And fixed gear, you feel that women are more valued or treated more equal. What gives you that feeling? The feeling I have is the men and the women are both going on the podium at the same time. There's equal prize money. Mm. The way that the race broadcast itself they're talking just as much about the women as the men it's not like people are only there to watch the men's race that's not the case whereas if you turn up to the tour of flanders and speak to some old belgian dude they probably don't even know there's a women's race on that's sad it makes me sad to say that but traditional cycling and part of me thinks it's not necessarily because people are deliberately sexist it's just that that's the way it's always been and women's road cycling is effectively a new sport I mean, there's lots of things that they're trying to do to bring it on, but it's a constant battle that everyone who's involved with it needs to keep fighting for, really. It's quite interesting comparing the two. Yeah, generally, I would assume the prize money is tied. I don't know how they would do that, but it tied into viewership. But you're So you're kind of suggesting that maybe that in a lot of sports, guys traditionally have been allowed to play those sports, and so they've built up a larger viewer audience over time. I mean, it's a vicious circle when it's like, because you need the TV coverage in order for the teams to get enough sponsorship in order to pay the riders. Mm-hmm. But then people, some people, I disagree with this, but some people might say, oh, women's cycling isn't exciting enough. There's not enough competition within it. Mm-hmm. But 
how can the women all be that good and all be that competitive if a lot of them can't make enough money in order to do it as a full-time profession Mm -hmm. and then how can the race be as exciting as it needs to be or you know I I mean I kind of disagree with the fact that it's not exciting but right if there were more women who were full-time athletes then the the gap between each woman would be right smaller so the competition would be more exciting so how do you get the tv coverage and then the sponsorship and kind of a vicious circle unless you tackle the coverage part Mm. then the teams can't get enough money to then pay the riders so that they can be the best that they can be so that they can be more exciting yeah you know i disagree that women's cycling isn't as exciting but it's a developing sport compared to men's cycling which has been around for hundreds of years Women haven't been racing bikes that long compared to the guys. True. And then some of the unique things I've seen with you is like your pictures is like there's you on your bike with a beer. It's like, okay, that's that's definitely, uh, that's fun. <laughs> and then you're also vlogging a lot about your experiences. And are those two avenues where it's like, you know, everyone has equal access to YouTube. So if you're vlogging about it, that's yes. kind of a way to raise awareness or get people interested. Exactly. And, and, and that was part of the reason why I, I started doing it. I started doing YouTube almost two years ago now, I think. And the reason I started was because I was talking to my mom. I was like, oh, none of my races are going to be televised. I'm really annoyed. Mm. No one's going to be able to find out about them. How can I make a difference? How can I try and get it out there? And we spoke about it. And I had an interest in videography and film. So I made this video about, I can't even remember my first video. I think it's like Q&A. Mm-hmm. with me and just talking about my experiences you know being an athlete and what have you I didn't really want to put it up but my <laughs> mum was like Kira get over yourself people are gonna love it and if they don't they're stupid so <laughs> there, there, there I started my uh my YouTube journey it kind of coincided with the first year that I rode for WNT cycling which is at the time was a kind of semi-professional UCI team was like I'm going to do all these big races and that Mm. was my way of trying to make a difference and a lot of the videos that I made were about races that you there's nowhere else you can find them Mm. and back then I wasn't really getting a lot of people watching these videos but maybe it's made people more aware of the sport or I don't know but we'll see (laughs) it's a slow burner I think (laughs) Yeah, and that's something you said where you have to have a passion for doing video and video editing. So that's very time consuming. So as much as it's about getting the word out there, you also just love like the process of making a vlog. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of people think it's really easy. (laughs) But honestly, sometimes, especially around training and stuff, my brain doesn't fully function when I'm tired. Mm -hmm. So I, I do find it difficult especially with youtube you have to be very consistent to get anywhere with it and mm-hmm. um, i am getting better at that now that i'm slightly quicker at editing it's definitely hard but i think it's it'll be worth the hard work in the long run and i do enjoy doing it <laughs> although it's kind of like type two fun it's it's more fun at the end yeah <laughs> i'm glad you have your mom in your corner where yeah if they don't like it, they're idiots. I have plenty of people tell me that, oh, you do vlogs, I don't watch them. I'm like, okay. Oh. <laughs> I don't really I don't really know what to say to that. You know, it isn't for everyone, but, you know, it's entertaining, I think. I agree. It's fun. Are you having to work any other jobs, or are you able to focus pretty much full-time on cycling and then kind of doing vlogging just for fun, also to build, you know, awareness? 
I don't really know. I wouldn't know how to describe my job title because if people ask me, I'm like, uh, do a bit of this, a bit of that. <laughs> and then they're like, what, so you're a drug dealer? I'm like, no, 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 I don't mean that. <laughs> I race a bike full-time. I train full-time as an athlete, but that doesn't always make loads of money. So I do freelance work around that. I make Occasionally I make videos for other people and through sponsorship deals and that sort of thing. I can just about continue racing my bike, which is the plan, really. Yeah, well, from an outside perspective, yeah. it's so cool. Like, you know, you have like the cool custom bike with all the colors. I have some really great brands behind me who make it all possible. Windy Miller is one of them. They make amazing custom bikes. They've got a paint shop called Windy Miller Paintworks. I've never seen bikes that beautiful, but yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm biased. But you walk in and people are like, their drawers are dropping and they're <laughs> whipping their phones down. They're like, ah, where's this bike from? I need a picture. Where do I get one? <laughs> Like, you're having fun riding a bike. Don't get so uptight about it. Like, have some fun. I guess I don't really feel as though I fully fit in one world, if that makes sense. Mm. I don't feel like I'm fully just a road cyclist or fully just a fixed gear cyclist. But I think that by doing both, kind of each side gets to see a little bit about the other. And mm. it's definitely a talking point. People love the bike. It's, it's nice to see people's faces light up and mm -hmm. people get as excited as me. <laughs> about the <bikes. laughs> which is good so I'm, you said you started riding at age 12 but i'm still trying to picture mm -hmm. like did your parents ever put any pressure on you to, well you better go to like did you go to college or <laughs> when did when did you decide like i'm just i'm just riding my bike from here on out that to me is fascinating so you want my life story essentially in a paragraph you can have two paragraphs <laughs> <laughs> okay. I started riding because both my parents raced previously mm. and they started a local cycling club. So I did initially start because I was introduced to it by my parents. They bought me my first bike and I used to go out riding with both my parents and my younger brother who at the age of nine, I'm sure he didn't enjoy doing 40, 50 miles <laughs> on a weekend. <laughs> I loved it though, but I mainly, I wasn't really that bothered. Like I liked sport and I liked running. I was kind of a very active child, always out of the house, mm. probably late somewhere, getting told off for being late at home. I only really got hooked at age mm, like 14 and I started racing and I was like, ah, oh, I like racing. I'm going to do this and went from there. I started racing on the road when I was about 14 and very quickly got quite good. I ended up being under 16 national champ so I was quite good when I was 16. I found it quite an interesting period from 15 to I'm gonna say like 18 where I, I was still in the sport I never really fully left the sport but I was like do I want to do this mm. who am I I'm an adult I don't know what I want to do do I want to go to college do I what am I doing so <laughs> mm -hmm. I spent probably two or three years like uh, I don't know what I want to do and just living and drifting through life but in a way racing on the track and around 18 fixed gear really sparked my love and enjoyment for riding a bike again and by this point I knew I was doing it for myself mm. whereas it's not that I was doing it for my parents but it was quite different step from I was doing it because they took me mm -hmm. and they like doing it to I want to do this and I think once I decide I'm doing this for me and I want to be good at it then from 18 onwards, 
I was like, okay, I want to be a cyclist. I want to ride my bike all the time. It was a gradual thing. It wasn't like one day I woke up and I was like, tomorrow I'm going to be a cyclist. (laughs) I've always been involved with it and it was gradual progression. I went to study art until I was 19. Last year I was in Belgium. The year before that I was racing for a British team, but we went all over Europe and raced. I've always been in the top level national races in the UK and the last couple of years I've been racing abroad a lot, um, racing in Belgium and just trying to gradually get better at what I'm doing. So yeah, it wasn't like, boom, here I am. It was many years <laughs> Yeah, and that makes... of trying to do it. Yeah, and you just kind of grew up in a cycling family. You grew up in the UK, correct? Yes. Is it fair to say cycling that's bigger over there and in Europe than it is in America? And or do you have a feel for that? I believe so. I mean, I've been to America a whole two times, so <laughs> it's quite far away from England. Hmm. I don't know. Cycling is a big thing in England, but it's weird because it's not really a sport that you do at school. You have mm. to seek out to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's still not like a super mainstream sport mainly because you have to have a bike and you know yeah. most people don't have a bike i was lucky that i was able to cycle i'm grateful that my parents sorted me out with a bike when i was younger and luckily i got to the point where i was okay enough to get a sponsored bike which i think my parents were quite glad i get about the fact <laughs> they didn't have to remortgage their house or something in europe it's huge i mean the uk it's still pretty big but racing in belgium and holland and france like you realize how much bigger it is over there competition is so much higher the uk competition on the road is really good and there's some amazing riders from the uk but the standard as a whole from best rider to decent national level it, the competition is a lot tighter in europe i mean we are in europe but i mean mainly right europe. yeah yeah i got you <laughs> And then yeah, let's, let's not have that Brexit convo. <laughs> <laughs> now to politics, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in 2017, that was a tough year for you where you had to deal with medical issues around iron deficiencies? Essentially, I got my first semi-pro contract with WNT and I trained very, very hard, probably too hard. I wasn't supporting myself probably with my diet and I didn't realize that that both my mum and grandma have had iron deficiency and they never were like oh maybe you should take iron tablets maybe. (laughs) I overtrained essentially I turned up to the first race of my season with WNT and my DS just looked at me and he was like you look like shit you need to go and see a doctor which he said in a very broad Glaswegian accent which I'm not going to try and imitate Um, (laughs) but he was totally right seen it all before I'm sure and Hmm. it was a difficult one because you put myself into a massive hole which took the whole season to rectify and by the time I got to the end of the season I obviously had no results Hmm. and no contract so Hmm. it was a difficult time But I think that it was, I guess, one of those life lessons. Even now, like I've still got quite a long time to get better. And when I look at the top women in cycling, they're often closer to 30 than they are to 20 Mm -hmm. in terms of endurance sport anyway. Yeah. It was hard, but I learned more from it. I guess you learn more from like rubbish stuff that happens than everything being fine. So is your personality like you go 100% for something when you go for it? Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Like you overtrained, but just based off your vlogs, like if you can have fun, you're going to have fun. And if you're going to work hard, you're going to work hard. I like to party with moderation. Don't be thinking that I'm going full 
ham. But when I see a photo opportunity with a beer, you know, sometimes these things happen. I wanted to make the most of the opportunity that I had at that time. And I, I learned kind of where my limit was. And mm. also I learned so much more about, you know, my body and how to look after myself. It sounds stupid. Like I knew how to look after myself to a certain degree, but I think when you end up kind of a little bit ill or you mm. go, Oh, maybe I could have done that different or just different ways of looking after yourself. At the end of the day, the videos are for entertainment. I see myself as an entertainer, so <laughs> I, I like to show people that it's a good time. And if I'm having fun, then I hope that people who watch my videos are also enjoying it and having fun. At the end of the day, what people don't see is there's a lot of hard work and focus and not a different Kira, but <laughs> right. the videos are not 100% of my life. There's a lot of... Um, backroom work that people don't see i suppose that i'm driven would be the way to put it mm. i want to do as best as i can whether that's with videos whether that's with cycling i'd like to give it a fair go really <laughs> but i do have a lot of fun as well but sometimes when you get up and it's raining and you have yeah. four hours to do outside if some people find that fun i don't find that fun i'm just gonna put it out there <laughs> how many hours do you think you put in a day on average training or um I mean, at the moment, I'm in off-season, so a solid zero. <laughs> but, but usually when I'm in the season, it's usually around 15 hours plus. That's quite low. A lot of people do 18 hours, 20 hours, more than that. That's a week um, then. That's 15 to a week. That's in a week, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's in a week. So, so, yeah, I'd say the average is kind of two to three a day. Gotcha. Uh, sometimes it's obviously longer you know you do up to kind of five six hour rides some days mm. and then that's 15 hours of riding not including you might have gym time mm -hmm. um, included in that it really depends based on how I'm feeling what I'm building up for but yeah there's there's people who do more <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah well I'm sure more. when you overtrained you were doing more <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but for me I find that if I do too much volume, it just ties me out. So I prefer to do a little bit shorter mm. and more intensity. But yeah, horses for courses. Some people just love to ride really long all the time. And then what's some of the funnest things that biking has allowed you to do? Either like in a race where you're having a really cool race or you're just meeting a sponsor or you're at a really cool event. What's some of the funnest things that... Oh, that's, that's a difficult one because there's obviously a lot of fun stuff my really beautiful windy miller bikes which are all kind of custom painted like and uh -huh. our kits all matching so just like putting on all the kit and like lining up on the start line and you just know that everything's matching and you look really good and my teammate juliet she's wearing all her matching kit and we look sick and i'm like yeah and then everyone's like woo and kind of like you're just sitting on the start line and getting excited and everyone's cheering and then boom you're off and yeah I, guess, I think for me that that's that's the exciting bit is like the start of the race and like that kind of build up to the race but yeah obviously when you finish a race regardless how it goes reframe and look to the next race or you know hang out with your friends I think the most fun for me is the fact that I can just eat loads of food because <laughs> I'm, I love food <laughs> but I enjoy riding because I'm like oh, I get to eat so much nice food and when I'm riding I'm like mm, what am I going to eat when I get back <laughs> oh I'm going to have oh I'm going to have a wrap do you think you could ever work a nine to five no <laughs> I, uh, I I used to work in London 
for a short time doing design, marketing, working in a bike shop. And ever since a young age, I've known I want to be in charge of what I'm doing and Mm. decide. I'd say I'm pretty disciplined and I work hard. I like to be in control of it to some extent. You know, Mm -hmm. if I want to have a lie in one day. I can have a lion, but, but, <laughs> but generally I like getting up early and getting stuff done. And it's just nice to be able to, if a friend calls you up, you can just go, right, okay, I'm going to spend this afternoon going and see my friend or whatever. How much time are you away from home? I mean, this year I lived in Belgium. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't really say Belgium was my home, but more than half the year. So seven months, eight months, I'm not at home. Obviously, I come home for a week here, week there. Mm-hmm. Depends. Had I not been racing in Belgium, I would have been at home more. The hard part is is fitting in, seeing family. We're lucky that in this day and age, you can keep in touch with quite a lot of people whilst not being there. But yeah, it's not the same. It's nice to see people. So yeah, I guess that's the hard part is that it can be so lonely and isolating to be chasing this thing mm-hmm. when you're not at home. But I guess I'm lucky in the fact that a lot of my friends uh, and people around me are in the doing a similar thing. Or mm. so, so yeah, it does it does kind of work itself out. But yeah, I think that's why every after every season, I enjoy like a nice little break from it all and refocus and and yeah, you end up like people probably never say it, but you end up towards the end of the season just kind of hating the bike mm-hmm. a bit, hating training hate maybe is too strong a word but you're just not really you're feeling over it. it yeah <laughs> so over it so i think now you know i've had probably a month off by now and now i'm like itching to get back riding again which is kind of where you need to be yeah. to get motivated again and do it all again next year do the races is it almost like a series where you're building up to one big race at the very end or is it just each race is kind of separate well, with fixed gear races, there are race series, but with road racing, there's a lot of races that are as important as each other. You know, the national championships is probably one of the bigger races, which is generally June, July time. So a lot of people are kind of building into that period of the year. So mm. it's hard to peak for a specific race, but a lot of people try and going really well kind of middle of the summer. Some people come into the season and they're flying at the start of the season. They do really well in the early season races and then they don't hold on to it. It, it depends on the person and it depends on how many races you do and that sort of thing. But yeah, there's races every weekend for road cycling. So some of them are more important, some of them are less important, but the, the thing you're trying to do all the time is just be as consistent as possible and try and just get a little bit better each time. You're able to more or less make a living and pay the bills based just off of sponsorships. Yeah, so I, I do it through sponsorship and freelance work. So I make videos for other people. I you know, do occasional sponsored posts on Instagram. I maybe do some photo shoots for cycling brands that sort of thing that supplements my income i get a small amount from riding my bike um, and the rest is just my own hustle trying to Mm -hmm. make it up really (laughs) how hard do you think it would be for someone if they just decided riding my bike all day sounds fun like how hard do you think it would be for (laughs) right i know it's not that simple right but that's just coming from a very like why can't can anyone just get up and decide they want to do this i mean you started at age 12 you kind of built the base to get to where I am today, I would say it's been five years of uh, work. Mm. 
in terms of building a brand, a name for myself, getting better mm. at the sport, working with brands. So it's not impossible. I just think that it's like anything. People start dreaming about something and they don't realize how hard it's going to be until they, you know, right. <laughs> they start doing it. So it is hard, but anything worth doing hard. And if you want it enough, then there's no reason why you can't if you put in the work and you're not afraid to fail loads of times, so many times and just keep going, really. <laughs> I don't feel like I have it all sorted out. It's It's a learning process. Like everyone gets like to be good at cycling. I bet you have to ride your bike a lot or you have to work out. I think people understand that. But in order to make yeah. cycling popular for people to enjoy watching your videos about you doing a race, what skills have you learned that people wouldn't know about? I think you have to be quite self-aware and look at your skill set. For me, I knew that I was quite good presenting stuff and hmm. I was an okay, I mean, I, I'm 100% million jillion times better than when I started making videos but I think because of my personality I found video quite you know I took to it quite well mm. whereas I have other friends who they started podcasting and podcasting was their thing and they felt podcasting and some people are writers and some people there's so many different things and you just have to kind of work out right okay what could I be good at what am I good at and mm. it's basically just not being scared to try stuff and fail and it's kind of weird because people think, oh, you failed. That's bad. But it's you kind of have to fail to be good to and work out what's better. Yeah, to learn. Yeah, it's just a learning process, you know. There's there's plenty of videos that I've made and I think, oh, my God, what was I doing? Why why am I doing that? Why are there so many whip pans? Why, <laughs> why am I zooming in now? It's just, mm. why is the camera shaky? Why, why can't I hold a camera still? You know, these are just like... You just have to kind of take it as it comes. You know, I look at people who make vlogs and ride bikes. I think, how do, how do they get that good? And it's just literally, they've just been doing it a long time and they've worked at it. And that's essentially it. There's no magic formula to getting good at anything. You just have to do it a lot. <laughs> I ha I'm sorry. Everyone, you know, wants, wants instant gratification, but it's not happening. Do you like being in front of the camera more than you like being behind it? I like telling the story, which involves both aspects. I, I mean, when I started making videos, that I was I was featured less in the videos, right. the initial ones. Mm -hmm. But then people were like, oh, be in the video more, make it more about you, because essentially they want to know your story. And, you know, I kind of had to get accustomed to it on Instagram as well, because I liked posting pictures of stuff that I thought was pretty. But then... <laughs> If I posted a picture of myself, it would get way more people interested in it and talking about it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to be one of those people who posts loads of pictures of themselves. It's counterintuitive to what I, what I feel like. It's kind of a PR version of me. I mean, it's still me. I still write what, how I think and feel. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of weird. Like, I've kind of accepted it now that my whole life is on the internet. But... <laughs> I do like it to some extent, you know, I like all aspects of it, but the majority of making a video is sitting in my room alone. A lot of the videos that I film are just me on my own talking to a camera. <laughs> so, right. I don't know if, I don't think I'm one of those people who's like, film me all the time. I love it. <laughs> just half the time I like that. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you're not the center of attention, you don't mind it? 
I mean, I don't mind being the centre of attention. I suppose it depends on really the scenario. I've made videos where it's like a question and answer and it's purely about me and my mm. life. And I've spoken about maybe some videos it's about my struggles as a cyclist or my, mm. you know, whatever. But for the most part, I just enjoy being kind of the narrator to the story, mm -hmm. I guess. So the Red Hook videos, it is a story of my day. It's a documentary about my life. But I try and really, the thing that I want to try and do is have the viewer experience it as I would. Rather than it being about me, I'm trying to share what it's like, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not like, oh, me, me, me. <laughs> Let right. me tell you all about myself. I want to share what I'm doing rather than be like, oh, what I'm doing is so amazing. I don't know. <laughs> I like entertaining. I like entertaining, but I mean, it does come across like I'm a massive narcissist, I'm no, sure. But... <laughs> no, I don't. I think social media in general does. And even like you said, your intention yes. is I want to post things I think are pretty. And then it's like, guess what? That's not what people want. So it's almost like the platform like encourages or incentivizes or demands in order to be successful. <laughs> I mean, do you, yeah. think, do you think that's yeah. fair? Yeah, I, I mean, I do think there's a lot of people who are social media people who are not really the same and you know you meet them and they're kind of awkward and like a bit weird yeah. i i feel like i try my hardest with my videos with everything that i post online i'm trying to be the best most genuine representation of myself obviously you can't be sure. you can't be a hundred percent everything that's you know you can't be like today i ate some breakfast and then <laughs> I did nothing, you know, I rode my bike some, and then people are bored or and anything. I captured um, it all on video. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but people are after a kind of shortened, mm. more exciting version of your life. Like, the reality is most of my day is getting up, going riding my bike, mm -hmm. I come back, eat loads of food, and then I maybe edit a video, I maybe just choose a topic, talk about it for a bit, but it's not really... People want to believe that everyone's life is more exciting and better than theirs, but it's, it's not really the case. It's just different. <laughs> yeah, and we also want to believe we can get famous on social media with one viral hit or we can become a pro cyclist in one day. It's like that's what we want to believe and that's what people buy up. But that's just not reality. Like it's, it's a grind. Yeah. It's a hustle for probably 99% of people, and I'm sure there's one exception out of 100. Yeah, I mean, it's quite funny. I was having this conversation earlier that everything these days is like instant gratification all the time like you don't even have to like ask someone on a date you can just download an app you want food you can just order food you don't have to go and talk to anyone people get so used to just whatever they want they can just get it straight away whereas anything meaningful and mm. worthwhile to create joy and like fulfillment takes a lot of time like you know good friendships good relationships mm -hmm. good anything good work it just takes a long time and a lot of awkwardness and a lot of losing in order to eventually win in the long run. I agree with you. So what would you say to the person who says, well, isn't life just about having fun and I do what feels good? How do you combat that? Your feelings are a good indicator. Like You should follow your gut when it comes to a lot of things. But you're looking at short-term gratification and long-term. And what I'm saying is long-term is like a better feeling. So people are after the quick 
thing they're after like oh it feels good now so i'll do it but you'll feel shit later people don't think about the later but you need to think about the later <laughs> well i agree but no one likes to hear that message it feels like you're being a downer no. <laughs> you're like oh god you're so lame um yeah so i would say you're thinking about how amazing and happy you will feel later which isn't a downer you're just you're trying to think about long-term gain so it's not that it's not fun short term, but it's not going to be super fun all the time. But life isn't super fun all the time. Even if you take the short term gratification, it will not be really fun all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard to, it seems like you have to come to that realization on your own. Yeah, I think people think that happiness is that feeling when you're hanging out with friends, when you're mm. out partying and you're dancing. People think that that is happiness, but happiness, I don't think really is that. It's knowing, it's like a knowing contentment with your life and that mm -hmm. you're striving towards something. For me, it's like ha my having a purpose is what makes me happy in life. Obviously, it's fun to hang out with your friends and mm -hmm. do fun stuff and go out partying, but it's it's not like happiness in life happiness in life takes time and you have to have a purpose that something that you want to do or something that you're kind of aiming at an ambition and then if you're gradually working towards that you can have contentment in the process of getting there i think happiness is a byproduct and you only get it by having a purpose that isn't just to be happy in the short term if you don't what is your purpose or what, what what is your meaning that you're chasing after that allows you to experience this contentment and then you know happiness when it comes my ambition is to try and get a little bit better each day you know five year ten year goal is i'd like to be a professional cyclist i'd like mm. to get better at making videos there's lots of little goals that are mm. on the way to bigger goals but i think that people got to remember as well that if i do become a professional cyclist then there'll be another purpose <laughs> so it's like you just have to just keep chipping away and 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 for me i you have to enjoy the process because it's like when you get there that's the end of that purpose and then you have mm. to have another purpose so it's like for example my parents their purpose maybe when i was younger was to bring me up but then i moved out and then they're like oh now what do what? we do now <laughs> yeah so they've found new purposes they've got new hobbies they do new things and meet new people or whatever that their, their new thing is but the the thing is you have to enjoy the process of it because there will always be another thing that you mm. have that you want to do so it's just enjoying they're trying to get a little bit better and trying to just enjoy the moment and be grateful each day, really. The podcast will be on break till after the new year. Until then, have a Merry Christmas.